But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Galatians 5. Welcome to Canaan Bound Podcast, a podcast designed to offer the Christian rest during life's journey. Canaan Bound Podcast features devotional segments by pastors serving in the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod, The Wells, along with church history, mission news, and music by various Christian artists who support our teaching. Hi, I'm Tom Barthel, serving as pastor at Christ Lutheran, a Wells congregation in Baxter, Minnesota. This is episode number 73. We begin with Freedom in Christ by Pastor Mark Falk. Galatians 5, 22-26 Fruit But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Take another look at the previous verses and you will find a garden of evil, sins that destroy both the individual soul and the church. In these verses, Paul shifts gears. We read these words and they paint a new picture, a different one. Here is a lovely garden of virtue. Gardens in the New Testament had olive trees. They were pleasant places to rest and relax in the cool of the evening. Living with someone who displays the fruit of the Spirit would be as close to paradise as an olive garden in ancient Palestine, about as good as a sinful world might deliver. Notice the word here is not fruits, it is fruit. Sometimes even faithful pastors overlook this verb. Word. It's a singular word. It's not as if we can aspire to this list, strive for it, but eliminate one or two or three uh, fruits from the list. All of these things grow in the Christian garden, the heart of a believer. If any are lacking or imperfect, it is because alongside the new man of faith, the old man of sin still uh, lives and struggles and fights. So observing real Christians in action is sometimes like raising a toddler or struggling through the teenage years. At one moment, everything is wonderful. The fruit of the Spirit is evident and beautiful. At the very next moment, the weeds of the last verses infect the garden. Such is our struggle. But Paul here speaks of this truth. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desire. Crucifixion was... And it is a painful thing. It hurts. The weeds of our hearts were put to death once at our baptism. And as Luther says, must still be killed again and again each day by contrition and repentance. And yet, every true Christian brings forth fruit. As long as we are connected by faith to the vine, to Jesus, fruit grows from the vine. In some, the fruit may be filled with many scabs and blemishes. In others, it may seem to be nearly perfect. But Paul urges all who have laid their sins at the foot of the cross not to be complacent. He deals with Christians as people who are bearing the fruit of the Spirit. 
but he also knows that the Spirit in us needs to be nurtured. We need to keep in step with what the Holy Spirit teaches us in the Word and nurture the Spirit in us. Faith and faith alone produces fruit. Faith is the work of the Spirit. Faith grows Spirit in us. The last verse here is a bit negative, but it's a necessary warning. The fruit of the Spirit can be destroyed, and then there will be trouble. Let us nurture the Spirit with the work of the Spirit, the Word. In particular, the life-giving water of forgiveness in Christ. This song is titled, Rescued, performed by Cross to Glory. Comfort, there is peace. Where can it be? The deed was done Mankind's sin Death is the wages of our sin The punishment we find we're in All have sinned Surely I was sinful at birth The measure of my total worth Was stained with sin I need someone to take my place To take take my my sin and my disgrace Oh, Lord, who can it be? Oh, Lord, rescue me As through the one Man all died, but a loving God was on our side. He could save. Through the obedience of God's Son, Jesus the Christ, the righteous one, a declaration came. God declares the world is not guilty, that from our sin you and I are free. Jesus rescued me. God sent His Son to take my place He took my sin and my disgrace Oh, Lord, how can it be? Oh, Lord, You rescued me Now I know the things I want to do, they're not the things I do. Now I know the things I hate to do, they are the things I do. Now I know what a wretched man I am, my thoughts, my tongue, my hands, 
Rescue me. God sent a son to take my place. He took my sin and my disgrace. Oh Lord, how can it be? Oh Lord, you rescued me. I lay my sins upon your son, who was crushed, whose will was done to die for me. I look to you to lift me up, to strengthen me, to fill my cup with your grace. Your word cuts me like a knife; it is faith's source, my fount of life. Lord, strengthen me. God sent His Son to take my place. He took my sin and my disgrace. Oh Lord, how can it be? Oh Lord, you rescued me. Up next, God's Word for You, shared by Pastor Timothy Smith. God's Word for You, Job 22, verses 21 to 30. Submit to God, this is Eliphaz speaking, Submit to God and be at peace with Him. In this way, prosperity will come to you. Accept instruction from His mouth and lay up His words in your heart. This passage is going to end the words of Eliphaz. His final word to his friend is going to be repent. To submit to God is to yield to God's will. Where we have sinned, we admit our sinfulness, we ask God's forgiveness, and we ask for his help in turning away from temptations and sins in the future. The word instruction here in verse 22 is the Hebrew word Torah, the word for law throughout the Old Testament. The Torah can be anything from the instruction of a parent or a teacher to a child or to the Ten Commandments. The Israelites often regarded, often referred to rather, all five books of Moses as the Torah. Since Job lived at the time of the patriarchs, about 2000 BC, hundreds of years before the giving of the commandments on Mount Sinai in 1446, it's not surprising that this is the only time the word Torah appears in the book. What's remarkable is that in Job's response, he will touch on almost all ten of the ten commandments. The, the fourth and the eighth will only be touched on indirectly. Let's look at verses 23 and following. If you return to the Almighty, you will be restored. If you remove wickedness far from your tent and assign your nuggets to the dust, your gold of Ophir to the rocks and the ravines, then the Almighty will be your gold, the choicest silver for you. Surely then you will find delight in the Almighty and will lift your face to God. You will pray to him and he will hear you and you will fulfill your vows. What you decide on will, it will be done and light will shine on your ways. When people are brought low and you say lift them up, then he will save the downcast. What's truly valuable? 
Eliphaz is right in saying that faith and trust in God are more important than gold, more important than anything at all. It might seem simplistic to think this way, but Eliphaz is saying that the more we give to God, the more he will give to us. And the place to start giving to God is not from the wallet or the purse. The place to start giving to God is in the heart. In Lent, we talk about giving things up for Lent, and what we mean is giving things up out of love for God to remind us of what Jesus did. A little bit of personal sacrifice to act out, in a small way, the huge sacrifices of Christ. The best thing to give up for Lent, of course, is sin. But I've met very few people who talk about giving up a sin for Lent. Most of us would be happier giving up anything else than a pet sin. But true repentance means giving everything over to God and learning through the grace of the Holy Spirit to begin to practice loving self-control, to take baby steps in resisting temptation. Being a forgiven child of God doesn't mean a free pass to more sin. It means knowing that as we strive to serve and love our God, we know that he is picking us up and helping us as we stumble along the rocky, narrow way. Let's end the chapter. He will deliver even one who is not innocent, who will be delivered through the cleanness of your hands. The second part of the verse is no easier to understand in translation than it is in Hebrew. But the first half is certain. God's deliverance and forgiveness, of course, come to the sinful as well as to the innocent. The fact is no one is completely innocent of sin. We're born sinful and our record of guilt only builds and rolls onward from there. But cleanness of hands, being declared not guilty by God, is the gift of the gospel to all mankind. And the trust we put in that promise of justification is a gift as well, the gift of grace from God to us all. In Christ, I'm Pastor Tim Smith. This is God's word for you. Carthage, a city rich with history, first appears in history over 2,800 years ago the center of conflict and rule between Greeks and Carthinians. It was always a place of change, rule, and bloodshed. It was the year 203 AD, and it was now a well-established city under Roman rule. This period was a time of persecution for many Christians within the empire. The emperor, Severius, was the start of a dynasty in Rome which would prove to be its last, before the crisis hit Rome. It's uncertain as to whether Severius Augustus was behind Christian persecutions or not. The historian Eusebius claims that he was a persecutor of Christians. Meanwhile, Tertullian claims that the emperor employed a Christian physician and was not against followers of Christ. Regardless of this fact, many parts of the empire were greatly opposed to the spread of the Christian faith. Ruling with his father was Emperor Geta, whose name is mentioned in association with the events of one particular Christian who lived in Carthage in 200 AD. She was 22 years old and the wife of a nobleman. But though she was with child and a noblewoman, she was not immune to the persecutions against Christians. When it was reported that she was a catechumen, that is, someone receiving instruction in the Christian faith, she faced imprisonment and was condemned to death, and along with her, a slave named Felicity. Perpetua was allowed to give birth and to nurse her child, but then 
led on to her death. Although scholars debate as to the integrity of the text, it's believed by most to be a form of an authentic diary of her imprisonment as she waits for her time of death. Some question the fact that she was really married as they read the text, but this may no doubt arise from the fact that her husband's had, husband had a desire to escape association with his now condemned wife. Despite pleas from family to renounce Christ, she did not. She no doubt, being a noblewoman, was used to make a stronger example against the Christians. The reasoning no doubt went, if this woman will not be spared, then who would? A stronger warning to the Christians. It also shows that there is neither slave nor free in Christ. She was willing to die along with the condemned Christians, who were also of the status of slaves. The account of her death is one of the earliest personal testimonies outside of the scriptures of someone dying for the faith. But it certainly wasn't the first and won't be the last. Jesus tells all of us who live in the last days, You will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. That's in Matthew 24. The martyrdom of Perpetua and Felicity is commemorated by the church on March 7th. Some churches commemorate on March 6th. But what they died for was a death that does not and did not end in death. Jesus told his disciples, He who stands firm to the end will be saved. God is with you on your journey to his promised land of rest. Remember his promised rest. We'll close with another song by Cross to Glory. It's titled, Days Like This. Somebody told me that there would be days like this Or something you wouldn't want to hear A time when many from their faith will turn away Mocking God and living without fear Somebody told me that there would be days like this False prophets preaching oh so bold Deceived, betrayed, and wickedness and led astray The love of most would grow so cold Somebody told me that there would be days like this Forsaking the first love of the Lord Falling from the height of spirit oh so high Itching ears turning from His word Somebody told me that there would be days like this Fleshly follow Jezebel A time that seeks and serves the pleasures of this world Complacent lukewarm bath in hell Come 
Jesus, come with your grace, set us free, come, Jesus, come in your word, the strength we need, strength we need. Somebody told me that there would be days like this The one to whom the angels sing Omnipotent, omniscient, everlasting God The Word made flesh, the King of kings The time has come, the days are here in which we live The faithful stand, your suffering share The life you live, the cross you bore, the victories won Follow you, crosses will bear Come, Jesus, come with your grace Set us free Come, Jesus, come in your word, the strength we need, and come, Jesus, come with your grace, set us free, come, Jesus, come. strength we need all we You've been listening to Canaan Bomb Podcast, episode number 73. This podcast was first shared in June of 2014. Visit Canaan Bomb Podcast to discover how you can support artists like Cross to Glory and learn more about what we teach. To find a Wells Ministry location nearest you, visit wells.net. Thanks for joining us.